Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty. Hello and welcome to our first edition of the Mycotoxin Matters podcast for 2022. My name is Nick Adams, Global Director of Alltex Mycotoxin Management Team, and I'm delighted to have back with us today, Dr. Max Hawkins. Uh, welcome, Max. Thank you, Nick. Glad to, glad to join in today. Uh, today, we're going to look at some of the results from the recent global harvest analyses that Alltech has conducted. Uh, Max has led this project working with uh, our teams across the globe. Uh, Max has a long history uh, working in the uh, feed industry and has worked with Alltech within the technical support function of the mycotoxin team uh, for the past 11 years. Max, maybe you could start by just giving us a little bit of a perspective, a little bit of background to the Harvest Project, what it is, uh, what parts of the world does it encompass, and how have we gotten to where we are today? Thanks, Nick. And the, this project or this endeavor of looking at harvest analysis summaries uh, has really grown over the past five years. Uh, from talking about particularly one crop in North America to one, and one crop in Europe to now we're looking at major crops. We've got much, much more samples, uh, collaboration with uh, outside entities to help gather samples. So it, it's really grown in its size and scope. And I think begins to give us a wealth of information to provide to the feed and livestock industry as to uh, how they may picture mycotoxin risk uh, and work with formulation and uh, preservation of health and performance in their animals. So I were pulling, I pulled data pretty much this year for harvest seasons out of uh, Latin America, North America, and Europe. Uh, those numbers of samples have, like I said, have really grown. Near 250 samples of corn out of uh, Latin America, North America, 630 plus samples of corn, uh, and over 200 samples of small grain, wheat, and barley. And Europe, with collaboration effort of SDS, and uh, Alltech field staff, we've we've gathered over 714 samples of corn grain and 330 samples of wheat and barley. So it gives us a bigger scope picture than we've than we've ever been able to to uh, analyze and bring forth from past years. So Max, based on all of those samples, are there any? particular things that you can pull out from some of the different regions from the results that you've seen? Uh, there are some differences by crop. Uh, 
and there's also a lot of similarities by crop. Uh, foremost, from a from a weather standpoint, when you look at different regions or different continents, uh, you would think that you would have a much greater variation in weather impact uh, from what it is in Latin America, from uh, Argentina and Brazil, big grain producers there, uh, to what it would be in the central U.S. Uh, on into central and eastern Europe. But there are weather differences, but those differences, even though they may look major, they're still somewhat more microclimated into various regions within those countries. Uh, typically, year in and year out, uh, Latin America would have a greater risk in corn from, say, Fumonison, uh, no matter which crop of corn you're talking about there. Uh, the U.S. would be Don or deoxynevalanol uh, would be our major risk. And in Europe, it tends to be more Don or maybe even some T2, HT2 risk. Uh, and I think that played true this year, although if you look at the results, uh, the numbers of mycotoxins per sample of corn in all three regions is relatively very close. They're all within a half a mycotoxin of each other or maybe even less than that. Uh, globally, they average 6.03 mycotoxins per sample uh, with near 88% of all samples containing multiple mycotoxins. Uh, the multiplicity effect, probably a little broader variation uh, than other traits as we look at it globally, but that's still pretty high when you have near approaching 90% of all your samples containing multiple mycotoxins. It's, it's, uh, it's still, I would consider that to be relatively consistent. Uh, when we broke those corn samples down a little further, um, the biggest risk in all categories was Don. Don was the predominant risk in, in corn on a global basis this year. And that's a trend that has been continuing over the past five, six years. Uh, even though we've had much greater differences in weather, uh, the major growing corn areas, Don has become the predominant risk. Now, other fusariums, uh, such as fusaric acid, xeralinone, fumonisin, emerging mycotoxins, they're all very prevalent in the corn crop on a global basis. Uh, and I, you know, when we start talking about temperature, moisture, temperature, crop stresses, agronomic practices, uh, it's becoming more globalized in the way that we grow corn uh, on a major scale. So it, it, that's not necessarily a big, big surprise uh, when you really stop and put it in perspective. I guess if there was a big surprise this year uh, with the drought that was going on in Latin America, 
And with the drought that went on through a lot of the Corn Belt area of the central U.S. and into Canada, Western Canada, and even in parts of Europe, uh, we would normally be kind of raising a flag to be on the lookout for aflatoxin. Aflatoxin was not an issue in North America or South America any more than normally. It was a little bit in Eastern and Southern and Eastern Europe uh, where they have some flare-ups with aflatoxin, which can be a little more significant due to their tighter governmental restrictions on aflatoxin B1 and its uh, resulting effect on animal products. But uh, it wasn't as we were really on the lookout for it and to be ready for it. And I guess preparedness with out urgency is good uh, because we were ready to to handle it, but it never really raised its uh, raised its impact on a significant broad spread scale. So corn uh, dons the big challenge on a global basis. Aflatoxin wasn't as big of a risk as we as we thought it was, and. Because of drought in some areas of the world, corn is in short supply. So I think the supply of corn that's there, it's, it, it's going to be moved and transported, imported, exported more uh, than maybe the last couple of years. So therefore, the risk of importing some mycotoxin risk with imported corn may be on the increase. Uh, we'll see how corn stores uh, before it's exported, and then how it handles transportation and storage once it gets to its new arrival. But uh, that risk may be present. There's some countries that have indicated they are going to import a significant increase in the amount of corn that they use. So when we looked at the small grains, those small grain samples, we're looking at a breakdown of about, like I said earlier, about 538 samples. A lot less risk in small grains, pretty typical year in, year out. Uh, there'll be some local regional differences where it is at a high risk. But when you put it on a global scope, 2.3 mycotoxins per sample, uh, just over half or about 58% contain multiple mycotoxins. But that mycotoxin challenge is uh, somewhat similar to corn. It, it, it is type B trichothecenes at a low risk level and emerging mycotoxins at a low risk level. So uh, small grains appear safe, but small grains will be in a shorter supply globally than will corn. So how much people get to take advantage of that uh, be somewhat uh, questionable, I guess. Uh, so anyway, that that's kind of the way the samples break down, Nick. Uh, wheat and barley may be even a little less risk than usual. Corn, uh, pretty normal, I would say, to a year-to-year -year basis. If you look at it globally, 2020, crop year was cleaner, less mycotoxin content, less mycotoxin risk. Uh, if you go back further than that, 2018 and 19 uh, were a lot higher, but it was like from the U.S. It was and Canada. 
it was record rainfall years, so we just had a lot more moisture, which helped generate a lot more fusarium mycotoxin risk. So uh, the mycotoxin risk for 2021 crops on a global basis, a little more than what we experienced in 2020, but in the scope of five, six, seven, eight years, it's probably more back to normal, if you define normal. Yeah, that's always uh, that's always a tricky one, Max. Um, if you then take it on and you say, well, based on the the level of mycotoxins that we've seen in the different grains, what's the potential impact that that, that level of contamination may have on our livestock and poultry? Well, from a corn standpoint. Uh, it could certainly be impactful. Uh, we're looking at, you know, average dawn levels of anywhere from uh, Europe were lower uh, on average than either Latin America or North America. But those levels are still probably going to be at about your the corn contribution, let's say, into a monogastric diet is going to be uh, right at a lower moderate risk uh, to animal health and performance with the average sample. The high-risk samples, where we range anywhere from uh, 3,600 3, parts per billion in Europe up to over 12,000 parts per billion in the U.S., those will really they run a great risk of impacting animal health and performance so the the risk for corn is out there uh it's just whether it's in the bin of corn that you're feeding or not and that it goes back to the point where i always emphasize people need to test the small grains for wheat and barley a much lesser risk uh for more monogastric diets you're on the uh, well above the greatest percent of the people feeding that are going to be at a, at a lower risk. There will be some high-risk incidences uh, because those those levels are out there, but at a much lesser percent than we do at the corn crop. Thanks, Max. So you know, clearly there is risk in, in the grains with corn being uh, the, the, the likely major carrier of risk as compared to the small grains from from that what take home messages messages do you, do you think there are for for our listeners well i think primarily as we move these grains around the world we have an idea what they were uh, according to tools like our harvest analysis summaries uh, but there again, that's a lot of average values. So you need to be very cautious about what you actually receive and and uh, have that tested and analyzed so that you know what that risk present is before you start formulating feeds. Uh, with the price of grain commodities uh, being up on a global basis, uh, it's going to create a more interest in grain byproducts. 
And we know from past history that as we manufacture byproducts, we can we concentrate that same amount of mycotoxin into a lesser mass, so the risk goes up. So you may be looking at it economically uh, as a total diet, but by doing that, you more than likely are going to be increasing the risk. And that increased risk can really affect us in terms of overall animal efficiencies, uh, which can really impact us economically. Uh, the crop will not be as fully utilized and digestible. There won't be as much of it used for performance in the animals. Health will start to wane. And therefore, uh, testing is uh, absolutely necessary to identify what this risk is. Thanks very much, Max. Uh Really appreciate the, the time and the information today for our listeners as they get their minds around the quality of the ingredients they have to feed now uh, for this feeding season. For anybody that's interested in uh, understanding more or gathering uh, more data around the, the harvest analysis projects, uh, please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W, mycotoxins.com. Uh, for a lot more information around the results of this year's harvest analysis projects. I hope you enjoyed uh, this edition and we look forward uh, to welcoming you back again uh, for the next edition of Microtoxin Matters podcast in the near future. We hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the Mycotoxin Matters podcast. For more information on the topics discussed, please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W, mycotoxins.com.